I invite you to be seated this morning. I want to take a moment now to dismiss our children and our kids crew leaders. They're going to head upstairs for a time that we call kids crew, a time of worship and, and teaching designed specifically for them. I'm thankful for our leaders who also are headed upstairs with them today to invest in our kids. It's exciting to see their excitement, isn't it, as they head upstairs each and every week. Well, as they're making their way upstairs, I want to introduce someone very special to you this morning. You know that we have, in in view of call today, Josh Gresham. Let me tell you just briefly about Josh before I invite him to come and share with us from the Word this morning. Josh is a, a a Chickasha boy. He grew up in Chickasha. He and his wife Tally grew up here in Chickasha, and and you'll hear a little bit of his story. I won't try to tell his story for you, uh, for him rather to you, but but it was 12 years ago when God brought us, brought Rayleigh and I here to Chickasha that we met Josh, and in that process of meeting him came to know and love him as a dear brother, a dear friend, he and Tally both, and and we've built a special uh, friendship, a connection, a relationship over the years. Uh, many years ago, our church ordained him to the gospel ministry. He was serving at that time on staff at the First Baptist Church of Moore, Oklahoma, but, but we wanted to have that special role of ordaining him into the ministry. And, and uh, Josh and I have just stayed connected through the years. We've, just, we've been connected in a number of ways. And, uh, and, and so when this position opened up uh, a year and a half ago, he was quite literally the first phone call that I made and said, hey, I, I would just, I'd like for you to consider, maybe think about if, if this is what God would have. I don't want to, I don't want to pretend that I'm speaking with the voice of the Lord, okay? So I'm not saying God wants you to do this, but I'm telling you Michael wants you to do this. And so would you, would you think about putting in your name? And at that time, he just, he, his response was, I, I don't, I just don't have a release from where I am. I don't sense that that's what God's calling me to do okay, brother, I love you, and you keep doing what the Lord has called you to do and do it well. And about six months later, I went back to him, and I said, hey, what would you think about this? And again, it was, no. And, 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 but the second time, I, I said, I, I affirmed, Josh, the only way I would want you to do this is if you knew that this was God's leadership in your heart. Because I, I'll confess, it, it's my desire to see this happen. And, but I don't... Michael calling you here isn't enough. It needs to be the Lord that is speaking and and moving in all of this. And so that was actually in June of 2022. Months went by and nothing happened. Our paths crossed again last fall toward the end of last year. And Josh just said, you know, from the last time we talked about this to now, I just can't get it off my mind. And, And I just feel restless in my spirit. And I feel like God has been saying that you need to call Michael. And I said, yes, yes, I'm glad, good. Uh, but even then, I said, Josh, uh, only, only do this. Only turn in your resume if, if you can say confidently that God has given you the release. That's not, an affor- that's not a guarantee that the Lord is calling you, right? Uh, but I only want you to take even that step if you feel confident in your heart that the Lord has given you the release to pursue that with us. And he took some more time, but about a week later, he submitted his name we interviewed him, our committee. We were actually talking to other candidates at that point in time and had some really good names that we were praying through and, and having conversations with, but we included Josh in that process and just felt 
God's leadership in, in the midst of all of that. And so it is with all of that as the backdrop that we've arrived at this point. Now, it was actually many weeks ago. It was back in December that we, as a, as a committee, the, and, and I say we because I'm, I have a, a seat at the table, but not a, a, a vote with our personnel committee. I'm an ex officio member, which is just a technical way of saying I have leadership there and, and, and I have influence, but ultimately I don't have a vote. It's the, the people that you have called as our personnel committee that vote to affirm if this is the Lord's direction or not. And so it was back at the tail end of last year that we felt like this is the direction God's leading us. You'll hear more from Blake Elliott this morning. He's the chairman or has been prior to now the chairman of that committee. We've just transitioned into a new year. And so now Dr. Bress Horn is chairman of our personnel committee. But you'll hear from Blake this morning a little bit about that process and just uh, an affirmation of God's leadership and all of that. But even though we arrived at that point, there were some dominoes that we felt like needed to fall with Josh's current church so that he could end well if in fact God were to call him here. There were some events that they had lined up and we felt like you need to do those things. A, a, a mission trip that they had been planning, uh, a, a Disciple Now weekend and some other things that we just felt like it would be key to you leaving that church well if God were to call you here, that you step through these things and give them leadership. And, and so we've waited patiently for God to just line all those dominoes up and for things to happen. And here we are. We've, we've arrived at the day that the Lord has led us to, and, and I feel confident, and, and I, I really believe God will speak to you in a similar fashion this morning just to affirm His leadership in this process. And so it's with that confidence and, and just great sense of excitement that I want to bring to our stage, to bring the Word to us this morning, my dear brother, Josh Gresham. Josh, come and share. Good. Good morning, church family. How are we doing today? I am very excited, but as you can imagine, nervous uh, this morning to be with you, uh, to be bringing the word. But as Michael said, uh, I do want to introduce myself. My name is Josh Gresham. Uh, I am currently the student minister at FBC Piedmont, where I've been for just over two and a half years now. I have been serving in ministry for um, just over 11 years now, which seems crazy to think through now. Uh, my wife, Tally, and I uh, were married, are married, were married, we are married. Uh, <laughs> and many of you know Tally, you know her family, uh, and some of you even know my family. Uh, we have three kids. My daughter, Nolan, just paraded across the front. Uh, we call her Noli. She's five. My son, Hayes, who is down in the nursery, is three. And my other son, who is asleep right here in the front row, thankfully, uh, is Reese, and he's seven months old. Uh, but we would, I, I just, I think I should take time this morning just to say uh, that I'm very thankful for the opportunity to, uh, to be here this morning, to preach uh, this morning and to share my heart for God's word and his church with you all. Uh, any chance I have to preach, I'm always a little bit nervous just because I take it very seriously. Um, I believe that should be the case. But as I look around the room, um, I can look around and see many people that I love, I care about. Um, this is home for us. Uh, and, and in a lot of ways, there's a lot of people that have loved and cared for me in this church as well. So I'm excited this morning uh, to be with you. I truly consider this a homecoming for us, as I mentioned. Uh, and again, I'm grateful. I'd also like to say thank you for everybody that's put in time this weekend uh, in helping us be welcomed here at the church. 
um, to uh, feel included and, and loved as we came yesterday and were able to speak with many of you, uh, many that we know, have known for years and years and many that I got to meet yesterday for the first time and, and, and hopefully I'll get to meet and, and get to know many of you even past this uh, points, but we just are extremely thankful um, for the hospitality and the love that you have shown to us, to our family, and so thank you very much for that. Uh, this morning, you can go ahead and turn. We're going to be uh, spending our time in the Word in Romans 10, Romans 10, 14 through 17. Uh, before I get to that, I do want to uh, just take a moment, moment to um, give my testimony, as Michael has asked this morning, uh, and about my call to ministry I always tell anyone uh, that I'm discipling or that I'm leading or teaching students, adults, whatever that's been over my time in ministry, uh, that our testimony is more than just our salvation experience. It's the wholeness of God's work that he's done in our lives up until this very, very moment. I know that I can't cover every detail uh, this morning, um, so I'm going to give you the shortened version, but if you would like to know more or get to know me more, I would love to sit down over a cup of coffee and, and just chat with you and get to know you even better. Uh, but I'll jump in. I was blessed uh, to grow up in a home and a family of generations of believers, and, and I'm very blessed and lucky that my family is here this morning even. During my younger years, I grew up attending Laverty Baptist Church, uh, which is just out by Lake Birchie for kind of a point of reference, uh, outside of town here where my grandparents lived across the street, and my grandma Mary, who's with us this morning, faithfully attends even today. Church attendance in the community of the church was always very important to my family, and it, Sundays were a whole ordeal for our family. We would go to church in the mornings. Uh, and then from there, we would actually go to uh, my mom's mom's uh, mom and dad's house. We would eat lunch where my grandma Nelda would ask me each week. They didn't always attend with us. They did at periods of my life. But they, she would ask every week, did you go to church this morning? And I would say, yes, ma'am. She would pat me on the head and say, good boy. Um, and then we would eat lunch and hang out with family. And then we would go from there back to my grandma Mary's house who was across the street from the church, and we would have dinner. And so, um, again, I have deep roots here in Chickasha. My family has been here uh, for many, many years. I grew up here, uh, and, and we love it here. Uh, when I got into my junior high and high school years, I began attending here at First Baptist Church. Uh, I was invited by friends uh, who were attending here at the time. Uh, mostly because Laverty just didn't have much of a youth ministry. It's a very small church. And so uh, I think there were two of us, and we both started attending here at the exact same time. Uh, so we were, I was glad to find a like-minded group of people um, to, to spend time with and to connect with and to grow with. I truly enjoyed my time in the student ministry here and was able to learn and connect. Uh, but it really wasn't until college that I truly began to understand my relationship with God and that there actually wasn't much of a relationship to begin with. During that time, I struggled greatly with wondering if I really believed what I claimed to believe or if I had done and believed what others around me had done and believed, my friends or my family. Thankfully, by God's grace, this caused me to press into God as some don't. Um, and I was able to pursue a real and genuine relationship with the Lord instead of distancing myself. I wanted to know what it meant to actually know God, to truly believe God, and to pour my whole heart into that. By God's grace, again, this caused me in that moment to give my life over fully to God in humble obedience. I also realized that if I was going to give my life to him fully, I, I'm kind of an all-or-nothing person, that it also meant that I was called to serve him. I wasn't sure if that meant full-time or wherever I ended up working in whatever job I had, but I knew I would serve him wholeheartedly. 
After finishing college, God led me to intern at First Baptist Church of Moore, uh, actually through a connection of Michael and Doug, who was there leading their family life center at the time. And uh, in just a short amount of time, both of those individuals left, and it led me uh, to, to a full-time position in ministry, which I was very grateful for. And I've relied on God's provision in serving him ever since. During the years since fully surrendering to God, I was blessed to be surrounded by many faithful and godly men who poured into me, one of which is Michael. I believe it is because of these discipleship relationships that helped me uh, truly understand Christ more deeply that I hold the ministry of the gospel near and dear to my heart even today, specifically small groups and discipleship. Those that came alongside me were living out what it meant to be faithful believers, sharing the gospel and living intentional lives. That pointed to and spoke of Jesus and his love for his people and the church. They kept the gospel in the forefront of everything that they did. And for that, I'm very grateful. And that impacted my life very much. This leads me to the scripture that I want to focus on, as I mentioned, in Romans 10, 14, and 17. But I do want to give in that a little bit of context so that we have all of this here today. In Paul's letter to the Romans, he pins this message to help them, Israel, understand that Jesus had come and was the new covenant. This was something that they were struggling with greatly. No longer were they under the old covenant law. Much of Israel rejected Christ, and Paul wanted to help them see that instead of trusting in God's promise and provision, they were relying on themselves to obtain the righteousness of God by their works. They were more focused on the law than the actual appearance of Christ, the, the, the provision of Christ. So this morning, as I mentioned, I'm going to jump in here at Romans 10, 14 through 17. And, and to many of you, this is a familiar passage of Scripture, uh, but one I think points well to Paul's desire to spread the message of salvation and how he believed it was crucial to do so. So in verse 14, it says this, How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. That they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So this gives us this picture of Paul's heartfelt desire for those that were lost to hear the gospel and come to true saving faith. In Jesus, Jew and Gentile, trusting that God had provided salvation in Jesus, as it says in verse 12, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul then lays out a series of uh, rhetorical questions helping them to understand what spreading the gospel relies on faithful believers carrying forward the, and ministering the good news of Christ. That exact thing was Paul's life in its entirety. From Paul's conversion, from the point that Paul gave his life to Christ, Paul was intent with spreading the gospel, going with the gospel, moving forward with the gospel. It also helps us to see how important the church is in spreading the gospel through the building up and sending out of the believers. So let's take a look at Paul's questions here that he lays out to help the believers see his point. Paul's questions kind of work backwards in a way. 
They actually are, are, are building upon each other, obviously, to help them understand that the sharing of the gospel begins with first being sent and ends with the message that is being proclaimed by faithful men being accepted by those who hear, believe, and trust in Jesus Christ. I want to take a minute to break down these questions individually. So the first one here is, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? As mentioned in the verses just before, Paul mentions that men must call on the name of Jesus to be saved. How, though, can they call on the name of someone that they have not believed in? This points to the idea that they need faith in their belief to call upon Jesus. Belief is important. Yes, you must know, you must understand, you must have knowledge, but must be accompanied by faith. When they know Jesus, trust in Jesus, and place their faith in him, they understand that he alone has the power to save them. It takes faith along with belief to truly know Christ. So then it goes to the next question. How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? It will obviously be difficult for any of us, right? Let alone those that had, uh, had heard of God forever but really struggled with Christ to have knowledge of something that they haven't heard of or hasn't been brought to them. Let alone to place their ultimate faith in something they know nothing about. This takes knowledge of him being brought forth by faithful believers that are called to carry forth the gospel. And church, that is what we're all called to do. We are all called to minister the gospel of Christ. As as believers, that is point number one, to walk forward with the gospel, to carry the gospel. The preaching and the carrying forward of the gospel of Jesus is what brings people to knowing him and calling upon him to be saved. Carrying forward of the gospel is, or at least should be, the primary and most crucial part of the life of the saved. Lastly, we see the question, how are they to preach unless they are sent? When teaching um, to any group, as I mentioned earlier, I always say we don't read ourselves into the text, right? We weren't there in Rome, but that we can gain wisdom and knowledge from any bit of scripture because it's all good for us to, to grow in knowledge and wisdom and teaching. Here we can gain wisdom and knowledge of that the church is called to do of what the church is called to do in sending out those that are faithful to preach and teach the good news. The church is a place where the lost are obviously welcomed and loved and cared for. And we are blessed that if the the lost come into our church uh, that they will be loved, cared for, and hopefully they will hear the gospel because that, that's, a, that's a hard thing for the lost to do. That's a bold move on their part. But ultimately, the function of the church, what the church is called to do, the body of Christ, is to equip the saints so that they can then go and impact lostness. The body is called to impact lostness. So then, who is it that is called to be sent out? I believe Paul is arguing here that that is us, the believers, those that have placed our faith and trust and have gained the knowledge and wisdom of Christ. He's arguing that that not only is it the church's job, but specifically it's his. He sees this as a very important thing in his life. 
I'm going to read also a, a passage here from 2 Timothy that I think backs this up well, and I'll read it for you guys so you don't have to go over there. But in 2 Timothy 2, it says this, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what have you heard, what have you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses? And trust to faithful men who will be able to teach also others. So we see here that this idea is that the church would be able to build up, strengthen, grow, and send out those that have trusted in Christ, have believed, and can move forward with the gospel faithfully. This is how the gospel spreads, straightforward and simple. It begins in the church, and again, the church, the body, impacts lostness. You are called to impact lostness in Chickasha, Oklahoma. In surrounding cities, I, I met a family this morning from Blanchard. You're called to impact lostness in Blanchard. You faithful believers, please hear me. Our God's plan to save the lives of the lost. The sovereign God of the universe has set forth his plan to spread the good news of Jesus. And the church is that plan. You are that plan. He then says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And this makes sense in the context here and, and, and in seeing Paul's, uh, his convictions of what he believes and where he stands in carrying the gospel and the importance he places on it. He is stating that the person that carries the gospel has beautiful feet because it speaks of the movement, the activity, and the progress of the gospel message and the messenger. Paul brings it back full circle in saying they must have faith in the gospel to be saved So they must hear it. They cannot believe if they do not hear. He references here Isaiah 53 in stating that not all would believe. And and that's a a truth. But he then says that nobody will come to faith unless they hear the gospel of Jesus. They must hear the pure, true, unfiltered reality of the gospel. They must hear of Jesus' life of service to others preaching of the word they must hear of his sacrificial death on the cross for their salvation for their sins they must hear of how he conquered death and raised he was raised from the dead and they must hear that he ascended and now sits at the right hand of the father as our mediator and the judge of all they must hear the fullness of the gospel the movement of the gospel is, is crucial to the movement of, of what this is, what we do. As believers, again, you are called ministers of the gospel. Unfortunately, there's no way around that. You are called to spread the gospel. You are called to share the gospel. There's no excuse. There's no, maybe I'll do it tomorrow. It's, it's what you're called to do. And so, so, church, I want to ask and I want, I want to leave you with this simple but straightforward question. But do you believe that this is true? Do you believe that, that God has ordained his will upon the church and that is for the church to impact lostness here in Chickasha? Do you believe that you are called to minister that same gospel Do you understand the spiritual importance and implications of that? Do you understand how crucial it is for the gospel to move forward? 
We're all called to minister the gospel of Jesus with no exceptions. Do you truly believe that the body impacts lostness? Do you understand that we are called to grow up and send out believers? And how do you respond to the gospel in your personal life? As, as an individual that's grown up in church for many, many years, I have heard the gospel proclaimed so many times. And in that, I truly do believe that every time the word of God is spoken, that we are called to respond in some way, shape, or form. For those that don't believe, my prayer is that through that proclaiming of the gospel, that they would believe, that they would understand and know Jesus, that they would seek to to understand him and, and have a relationship, a deep relationship with him. For those that maybe are young in their faith, Uh, The the proclamation of the gospel should call them to obedience, to deeper relationship, deeper understanding of what they actually know, what they have placed their faith in, and the true understanding of what it means to be a faithful follower of Christ. And for that saint that has been walking in Christ for years, the gospel still should call you to respond in obedience, in truth. That should be the case from the time you give your life to Christ to the time you leave this earth. The gospel should always bring about uh, something in us. It should call us to respond in a way through obedience, through repentance, through knowing of him, through trusting of him, and placing our faith ultimately in him. And that looks different in every season of life. So how are you responding to the gospel in your life Is your response one of obedience? Maybe today that's something that that those of you that that don't know Christ uh, would have the opportunity or or would have a deeper understanding of, and I pray that that is the case. But maybe there's somebody in this room that has been walking with Christ for a long time and, and you've just been in a season of struggle. And I would call you today and I would ask and I would pray that you would just simply seek him how you, how you know Christ and how you, how you confess that, that, that distance from him, it's going to look different for you than it would for me, but that you would just call upon him, that you would place yourself under him, knowing that he will lead, guide, and direct you. Again, it's my conviction that the church is called to build up the saints, to send them to impact the lost world with the gospel. My prayer is that you believe this as well and you are faithful to obey the call of Christ in your lives. So let me pray for us. Father, we are grateful for your word and the impact that it has in the lives of those who are called your children. May we find hope and rest in the fact that you have called us yours. May this time of focused worship through the study of your word help to fix our eyes and hearts on you. May we seek to better utilize it for your kingdom purposes, for the spreading of of your word, for the the understanding and, and the love of Christ. May we be those that would understand that we are called to obedience. And in doing so, that we would place ourselves rightfully under the full authority and seek to accomplish the will of your heart in proclaiming that gospel. 
May we rightly seek to glorify you in all we do, because you alone are worthy. God, we thank you again for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice, for the teaching that he did while here on earth, for the love and, and his sacrifice, his blood on the cross that was shown for us. God, and his conquering of death and darkness. And God, that he is sitting at your right hand. And even when we proclaim to you our, our, our praises and worship, God, that when they don't make sense, God, that he echoes them to the Father for us. It's in his name, our Savior Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Amen. You've heard a good word this morning from a faithful brother. And even as Josh mentioned, anytime we hear God's word preached, the appropriate response is to, to, to respond in obedience to that word. And so that's what we want to do this morning. We want to have a time of invitation, a time of response, where we would invite you to respond as God moves in your heart. And so we're going to sing a song together. And as we sing, Brad and I will be standing here at the front. And if God is stirring your heart to respond in some way today, we want this to be your moment. Maybe the Lord is leading you to place your faith and your trust in Jesus. Then even as we sing, if you want to step out, make your way forward, let us pray with you. Let us lead you through a simple prayer of faith that you would confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe you've heard the word this morning and you know that you've trusted Jesus by faith, but God is still prompting you to respond in some way of obedience. And, and your response this morning just needs to be, yes, Lord. Yes, I will obey. Yes, I will follow. Perhaps God has laid someone on your heart that you're to share the gospel, share that word with. How will they hear unless we preach to them, unless we proclaim it to them? Preaching may not be a sermon, but it's, it's your opportunity to, to share, to proclaim the goodness of God through faith in Jesus to someone who doesn't believe. And so however God may be stirring your heart to respond today, we want to create a moment, create space for us to respond in obedience to him. And so I invite you to stand with me this morning and we're going to sing this song that is calling us to the altar, calling us to that moment of response. And as we sing this, if God is stirring in your heart today, would you respond in obedience to him? <laughs>